Lord, thank you for these words and actions. This uh, strategy that you displayed and called your disciples into in sharing the gospel. Help us to understand what it means for us today that we might participate in the fullness of your kingdom. In your precious name. Amen. Jesus is very aware that the kingdom only comes as people enter it, as they live it, as their lives are changed and shaped by it. The kingdom is not a hypothetical or theoretical construct. Um, If you move in theological circles, as I have done from time to time, people love to sit down and discuss all manner of the economy of God or Christology or how uh, atonement might be working and all this kind of stuff. It's all very fascinating and interesting. But the kingdom of God is a lived, relational reality or it is nothing at all. It is discovered not so much in our stated beliefs, but in the values that we live out with one another. Words are also critical. They help us to understand things, but they're only important when they signify something that is real in life. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves in what we say. So that's just to get us started. Jesus says to us, the harvest is abundant. It's plentiful. All these people ready to receive the message of the kingdom. Now there is no shortage of people who are ready to receive the message of God's salvation, of the good news of the kingdom. People are keenly aware and I think even the current uh, election results on a knife edge are a testament to this. People are keenly aware that the way we currently do things is not really working. Now that's on a macro scale or a national scale in an election. We see it with the Brexit vote where people wanted to stay and leave at the same time. They're not really sure what it's about. We see it in the most intimate of relationships, in in families, in couples, where there's good and there's bad and we're just not sure how this whole thing is going to work out or what's, what's the way forward. People are struggling when we become aware that our current way of doing things isn't quite working. People start to struggle to know how to survive or people who are surviving okay struggle because they want to live more fully and they know that they're not entering fully into their life. Some people carry a burden of guilt or regret or shame or something that is holding them down. Some people are at a loss for their sense of who they are and where they fit in the world. All kinds of people are ready, desiring to take on the challenge of discipleship. Again, I suspect that this accounts for some of the response to uh, radical groups around the world. You know, we've seen an upsurge of people, even from comfortable middle-class Western societies, wanting to join these radical groups that are doing all sorts of horrid things around the world. What's going on with that? And there's almost a sense within them that they know that the way things are just isn't right. And there has to be this radical move. And sadly, the radical move they see 
is a violent one, a destructive one. But so strong is the pull to upset the apple cart, to change the status quo, that they're drawn even to that. Now they're deceived in all sorts of ways, but it tells us there are people ready to respond to quite a strong challenge and there is no greater challenge than the challenge of love beyond violence. The most challenging of all, I would say, and maybe uh, lukewarm, compromised Christianity has something to answer for in the lack of an alternative, just as we could look across the political sphere and say, why is there not an alternative that people want at the moment? So why don't we see these people? You know, the, the, the harvest is plentiful, it's all around us. Um, and the time when Jesus was saying these words, there were plants that you could see the colour of their blossom or their fruit and it would be very apparent, you know, look at the fields, they're ready to go. But we look around and go, no one's really interested, are they? Are they? They're interested in the story of Jesus? Anybody? Anybody at all? I wonder if we don't see, partly because we don't want to see. Because in a sense, people who are aware of their need for salvation are often a little bit messy. They're often a little bit not together. And uh, often they literally don't have their lives together. They're falling apart in some way and they're tricky people to encounter and I tell you what, it's just easier not to see them. That's the first line of defence. If I don't see you, you don't exist. And I'm sure you've done this walking around the city where there's the, the people begging by the side of the road. I'm not suggesting you should do anything with them but have you kind of averted your eyes and kept walking? I, I don't want to see you. The fact that you exist is a little bit uncomfortable for me so I'm just going to walk past. I think we do that a little bit with the harvest as well. We're not very practised at offering Christ. And what I mean by that is when we see someone who's really in need of Christ, we kind of feel drawn to save them ourselves. We, we want to sort them out. We want to get them into a better place somehow using our resources. Ours. I do this. I'm a rescuer. It's a problem because most people, you know, all I can do for them is reflect back to them their brokenness because I share it. It's only when I offer Christ who is meaningfully different and offers a new way that there is a way of salvation. And I, I think that we're not very practised at that. I don't have the power to save anyone. If you were to follow me and become like me, you'd be just as stuffed up as you are now. But if I mirror Christ, if I show you the way of Christ, if I offer you Christ, now that's something. That's salvation. So Jesus sends these people out. And uh, if we are open, we are also sent ones as well. And I'm not saying you have to go here or there or anywhere else in particular because there will be people in this very room this morning that are in a place that need to hear and be offered Christ. But also probably out that door a few metres or over there at the pub, down there at the cafe, up the road at the community centre, where you work tomorrow morning, the people you see in the shopping centre. There will be you know, your family members, people in the community you do this, that or the other thing with. 
It's the way we see that changes everything, I think. A couple of weeks ago, must have been during the warmer months, so maybe a few months ago now, I sat out, I came home late from something and one of the locals was sitting on the bench having a sneaky glass of wine and um, he yelled out to me and I sat down and we started chatting and I think he'd had a few drinks so he was more liberal in his conversation than he might otherwise have been and more honest too, I think. And he was asking me about the whole church gig and he you know, recounted, as most people do, their old religious lives when they were kids and Sunday school and went up through, I think it was the Catholic church and had quite a strong moral framework and a sense that he wasn't really good enough and all that kind of stuff. And as we talked, I, had a, I just kind of picked up that he was held by some kind of fear. Look, most of us are in some respects. And I said to him, you know... The good news isn't that Jesus takes away our fears. It's that he walks with us into them so that we can engage them in a really fulsome way and not be scared of them anymore. We don't run away. We run toward. We don't leave our life. We enter fully into our life. And he thought that was interesting and we chatted a bit more and on we went. And I know that that had an impact on him. I know for all sorts of ways that I can't tell you. Um, but in all sorts of little conversations, you don't have to solve the problem, but we offer Christ and just say there's another way of doing this and people can make their response. Now, one of the most interesting things about this particular story is that Jesus tells these people not to take resources with them as they go out. Don't take extra money. Don't take extra... This is a recipe for disaster. It's like go camping but don't take your tent. What's going on with that? And he says, even says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Well, what good shepherd would do that? Why would you send your sheep out among wolves? In the Matthew account of this, he also adds some other stuff which we'll touch on in a moment. But... This is an image of vulnerability in a hostile environment. What's going on with that? I don't know about you, but I'm much more comfortable with invulnerability. I want to be strong. I want to be backed by the forces. I want to be protected from anything. Our evolved survival instincts take us towards safety and security and that kind of thing. And this is a strategy of vulnerability. Is he insane? Well, let's think about that. In the Matthew account, he also says, I want you to be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. So serpents are shrewd because they're small creatures that their only defence is to actually bite you, so they've got to get up really close before they can defend themselves. So they sneak along. Do you know about snakes? You know, they're in the cracks down there and they move, and then at the right moment... So they're really strategic, and I think that's the import here. Be strategic. If you're going to be vulnerable, be strategic. Don't be stupid. And be innocent as doves. Do no harm. Don't think that it's okay because you're so vulnerable that you can then hurt other people because you feel vulnerable. No. Be strategic. Do no harm. Be innocent. They're guiding principles. So why does Jesus call us into this such vulnerable strategy. What's the wisdom in that? 
And I think that it is in part because this is the way the kingdom is transferred. We don't go in strength because when we go in strength, people defend themselves. When you go in vulnerability, you could get hurt. But it opens up the opportunity that the other person won't bring out their army. You're not a threat. You come in weakness, as it were. You come in openness. You come in vulnerability. And actually they save you and participate in an experience of grace. They become the instrument of grace. They experience the kingdom because they care for you. Can you hear that? Is that really messing with your head? It messes with my head a little bit. But we have the faith to be vulnerable and that gives the opportunity for the other to respond and to experience the power of the kingdom. They become, in a sense, the instrument of the kingdom to us. We've always done it the other way because we so dislike vulnerability. But I think whenever we go in strength, we meet other people's strength or their dependence, which is equally unhelpful. But when we go in vulnerability, we invite their strength, we invite their care, we invite their love, we invite them to experience the divine imprimatur to engage with another in love. They experience the kingdom. But you can hear in that that the risky part is the one who goes, right? They're the people with faith. (laughs) And they invite other people to respond in kind to the depth of faith. Now you won't get that message many places and you probably won't like it getting it here either. But I think that's the nature of this call to share Christ. And then there's the whole bit about, um, you know, if they reject you, they reject me. If they receive you, they receive me and all that kind of stuff. We prefer acceptance, don't we? I mean, who amongst us looks forward to a good rejection? And one of the, the really difficult things about it is we know how difficult this message of grace is. And it sounds like it shouldn't be difficult, but it does invite us to be vulnerable. That's the difficult part. And Jesus makes it quite clear, it's, in a sense, it's not about you, it's about this message, but they may reject it, and if they reject you, they're rejecting me. And if they accept you, it's not about you either. They're accepting the message of the kingdom. Sometimes our fear of rejection is mingled with our own uncertain acceptance of the gospel. So, we're fearful of being rejected when we share the message of Christ because we're not sure we accept or believe the message of Christ. And the people, other people's acceptance of the message is good for us because we're uncertain and if they believe it, maybe it is true after all. Have you ever had that? Maybe that's a bit too deep for us in one sense. But I've seen this happen. And actually in a lot of the... Uh, a miracle crusades that you sometimes become aware of in different places and people praying for healing and you can see that the crowd wants the person to be healed not for the person's sake. They want to see God show up 
so that they can feel a little more certain that God exists. And the person's really just an instrument to make me feel better. And it's very subtle. But um, sometimes our fear of rejection is that if that person rejects what I have to say, maybe I shouldn't believe it either. And we're not certain enough about it. So you can't really share faith very well from that position. I think you can share faith well from the position of being honest about your doubts and exploring them. Because one of the things about Christian faith, about Jesus, is he bears the weight of exploration. The problem is we don't do it. We kind of go, oh, no one else is doing it, I don't think I will either, and we walk away. If we're honest, we can say, well, what, what are the alternatives? What is a better way of doing life? What does Jesus actually offer? Is it compelling? On what grounds is it compelling? And I think more and more, from my particular perspective, and clearly I have a vested interest, I don't think there's any other way I've ever seen in all of the religions or ways on earth that offers the hope of salvation for the whole world like the way of Christ. Because the way of Christ is self-giving love. And we know now that unless we engage with each other in the manner of self-giving love, we are in strife. Not just as a community or a family or a church, but as a nation and as a planet. The way of Christ is compelling. And I tell you what, there is a great joy when you see people respond to it. And you see them become switched on, not because they think they're going to get a mansion in the sky when they die, but because they become switched on to love one another. They find the joy of giving themselves in serving. And you know when you're with someone like that, it gives you life. They mirror back to you something of the the power of the kingdom. And it's really good for the soul. And you can see the disciples come back and they are so excited about what's happened. And Jesus, almost not quite pouring cold water on it, but says, don't let your excitement be based in people's response. Because nine times out of ten you're going to get disappointed. Live into the kingdom yourself. Know that your name is in that book of life. Know it by living it every day. Feel the confirmation of it as you give yourself and as you feel the richness of that and as you come closer to God in that, as you meet the vulnerable and be the instrument of God's grace to the vulnerable, that's where you know. Now if people respond, that's fantastic as well, but it'll never be the certainty because you can never know how they're going to respond. But you can know that you can live fully in the kingdom yourself. This gospel is a history-shaping movement. Today, throughout the world, no matter what religion or race or language, everywhere has been touched by the truth of the gospel. Wherever human rights are mentioned, that's a gospel notion. Wherever victims are protected, that's a gospel notion. So whether people know or don't know, whether they respond to the the figure of Christ or not, the gospel, the, the leaven has gone throughout cultures around the world. It is never coercive. It is never manipulative. It cannot be motivated by fear. 
It will not take care of your uncertainties either. It is the invitation to life in all its fullness. It's there for you to live. And unlike any other resource in all of creation, it doesn't diminish the more you engage or use it. It increases. It's exponentially richer and deeper and better the more people engage with it. It's not like, you know, precious metals. If if everybody takes some, there's less. Now, if everybody gets in this, it's better. It's deeper and richer and fuller and transforms everything. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the richness of your kingdom. It is true. It's a true kingdom that transforms us and transforms everyone who responds to it. Thank you for your invitation to us. You modelled it for us and then called us into it. Please empower us to go deeper in, further in and further up, as C.S. Lewis would have said in the Narnia stories that we might share all that we're discovering and be honest about what we don't know and explore it together to the glory of your name. Amen.